0: It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Rodgers in trouble. Does he have a vintage moment in him? In the end zone, it is caught for
1: the win! Pressure, pass is picked off, and who is- it, Big BJ Raji for the touchdown. Welcome back to another episode of the Packs with Chisa podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Maggie Loney, joined as always by Perry Goldstein. And just like in the regular season when we had a duplicate matchup, we're going to do something a little bit different this week, even though, of course, this is for all the marbles in the NFC, the NFC championship game. We have the Packers and the Buccaneers led by Tom Brady coming to Lambeau Field, so Obviously, there's a lot to talk about, but I think first, before we in I should talk about Ted Thompson. Unfortunately, uh, it was reported today that former general manager of the Packers, Ted Thompson, passed away at the age of 68. Um, and we know he'd been dealing with some health issues, but 68 obviously is far too young to lose anybody. And Ted Thompson just left such a historic legacy with the Packers and a lot of the talent that he drafted um, during his tenure as the general manager is still on this team. So I guess, Perry, what are some of your thoughts um, kind of about the lasting impression that Ted had, not only on, you know, Brian Gutekunst and kind of this franchise in general, but there's a lot of players that will be taking the field on Sunday that Ted Thompson brought to the team.
0: Yeah, it's it's easy to think of Ted as you know, what his legacy is really, which is drafting Aaron Rodgers. But, you know, you can look back even further. And one of my favorite stories really is that he scouted Brett Favre and there kind of was the brains and the information that was given to Ron Wolf, who ultimately ended up trading for Favre, uh, came from Ted. So just like, to me, the franchise that we know and love, especially you and I in the last like 30 years um, that, you know, that, all of the success, you can directly link back to Ted Thompson, every winning season, every year that, you know, you go into thinking no matter what this year, the Packers are contenders. Like that's because of Ted's ability to scout talent. Um, and also his, I think more importantly and more pervasive is the kind of team that he built. And like, the winning mentality and the brotherhood and the locker room that like we know and love and appreciate as Packers fans, um, is, was a Ted Thompson creation. So there's just like an appreciation that you have to give for someone like that. And then you look at today, like you mentioned, and again, you think of guys like Jordy Nelson or Nick Collins are names that have been thrown around today, but Kenny Clark was drafted by Ted Thompson you know, Kevin King was drafted by Ted Thompson. He was still in the building, even though it was Goot as GM for the Jair Alexander pick. So like you said, he, his fingerprints are going to be on this team, not just this season, but for the, for years to come, I imagine. And, um, just his entire philosophy of, of draft and develop and giving guys time and, you know trusting the board as we dealt with you know this season in the draft with picking Jordan Love it's just the entire franchise um is a is a depiction of of everything that he gave you know to to the packers so um yeah i i can't i can't really say enough about what what he's done because everything that we appreciate and probably take for granted honestly is is traced back to him.
1: Yeah. And I mean, I think it's, it's easy for fans to get frustrated by the draft and develop mentality sometimes because you almost want to see results sooner or when other teams are making splash moves in free agency, there's this element that maybe the Packers are sitting on their hands or they're missing out. But Ted Thompson was always so meticulous about people that he signed to make sure that they were not only like a skill fit, but a culture fit and a locker room fit. And he always seemed to, to draft the right guy for the right moment or sign the right free agent in the right moment. And, you know, now looking at this team that's poised for potentially another Super Bowl berth, not only do you have Aaron Rodgers, like you already mentioned, but you have Corey Lindsley who just made his first all pro. Dave Bakhtiari of course isn't playing, but he's an all pro. You mentioned Kenny Clark, Aaron Jones is a pro bowler, Ted Thompson drafted. And I think this is kind of a good segue here because your guy, Tremont Williams, obviously just signed back with the Packers practice squad, and he arguably was one of the best undrafted free agents that Ted Thompson ever scouted and played a huge part in Super Bowl 45. So I guess kind of moving on then to Tremont, what are your thoughts now that the Packers have a third Super Bowl 45 member on their roster going into Sunday?
0: Yeah, it's true. It kind of is ironic that it was one of Ted's best undrafted free agent sightings. I'd say probably alongside like Sam Shields or John Kuhn, but um, I'm so happy to have Tremont back. I know that listeners of this show um, understand, you know, how much he means to just me and the way I view him as how he means to the rest of the team. Um, I wanted them to re-sign him uh, in this past offseason. So it took a couple months, took uh, about 14 games, but Goot did it. He brought him back. And look, I I don't know. I think you and I talked about this kind of offline today. And I, Tremont's one of those players where, It doesn't matter if he doesn't practice this week. He knows the system. He's a vet of all vets. You know, you could probably plug him into this game if you really needed him, and he'd do just fine. Um, Do I think that he's going to play a ginormous role in this game? Probably not. Um, But maybe, you know, we saw Will Redmond pop up. On the injury report, maybe in a, as a dime package. Honestly, I could see Tremon coming back as really just a a motivating force for this DB room, for this team. Um, those guys, uh, Chan Sullivan, Kevin King, Jair have all talked about what he's done for them, for their growth and their development and their mentality and just the leadership that he brings, um, not just to the DB room, but to the defense as a whole. So if nothing else, if he doesn't even take a snap, um, you know that what he's doing for them on the sidelines and, um, I think you and I have long said that we could see Tremont coming back to the NFL after he retires in some capacity as a coach. So, um, he's definitely is, is taking, you know, stepping into that sort of hybrid coach, but player role. Um, and you can't say enough about that. You know, like you said, he's been around since the 2010 team. He's 37, probably turning 38. He's, he's Rogers age. So there's a level of, um, experience that he brings um, that those young guys don't have playing in this NFC championship game.
1: Yeah, and we talked about this a little bit on Pack a Day yesterday, where there was just this idea that, you know, you've got a lot of young guys, and that's not to say players like Jair Alexander aren't ready and that this moment is going to be too big for them, because I don't think that's the case. I think guys like Darnell Savage know what's at stake here, and they're not going to be overwhelmed in that moment. But just having a guy like Tremont Williams back in the locker room as like a grounding force kind of reminds me of the same way that the Packers had Charles Woodson. As one of the vets or Donald driver for the wide receivers where you just sometimes you need the older guys to kind of be the level-headed, experienced person in the room to kind of set the tone. And I think Tremont was one of the better guys to do that when he was with the, with the team. So to have him back now kind of in that new, whatever his role is on Sunday, if he even elevated, I think is really significant. And I do absolutely agree with you. Dying is kind of the first thing I thought when they elevated him or brought him onto the practice squad was that that dime roll makes a lot of sense. I could see the Packers playing more dime than we've maybe seen from them the last couple weeks, given kind of this passing attack that the Buccaneers tend to tend to use. So we said that we were just going to have a casual, casual episode. And I think that that's still the way to go, but I do have some numbers that I want to throw at you and just get your opinion on these because I thought they were really interesting when I kind of did my research for this game. So Obviously, we know that Tom Brady has played in 13 championships. This will be his 14th now on Sunday. He's won nine of them. Aaron Rodgers, this will be his fifth. He has not won the championship, of course, since the game against the Bears in 2010 when they went all the way and won it. But I wanted to talk about kind of home field advantage and what that necessarily means for this Packers team because I thought this was really interesting. No team... Has won three road games to get to the Super Bowl since the Packers did it in 2010. So we know, obviously, the Buccaneers as the fifth seed, they beat Washington and they beat the Saints, and now they have an opportunity to become the first team in NFL history to host the Super Bowl at their home stadium if they can beat the Packers. But it's a pretty daunting feat to be on the road and win as many times. And obviously, like I just said, no team has done it since the Packers. So I guess kind of knowing the history that we have between these two quarterbacks. What are your thoughts? And do you think that home field advantage being at Lambeau field will be as insignificant as Bruce Arians and the Buccaneers want to make it seem?
0: That's a wild stat that, that it surprises me and yet doesn't surprise me at the same time. I mean, that run in 2010 was unprecedented. Clearly I remember it being that way. So I guess it's true. I mean, it is, it's, it is kind of a thing now, you know, the one and two seed more often than not are the ones that end up being in the Super Bowl. Um, It, you know, it, it does matter. Um, look, yes, home field advantage matters. It always matters whether it's, you know, with no fans or without no fan, you know, with no fans. Um, I think there's something about playing in your own home, if you will, uh, that juices players up. Now, I jokingly tweeted out, you know, what are Brady's stats in the cold weather? Obviously a joke. The man has played in New England for his entire career. He is going to be fine in the cold weather. Brady actually is what I'm like most fearful of in this game. The rest of the Bucks team necessarily, I, I think that the Packers can beat the Bucks. Um, Can the Packers bre- be- beat Brady's experience, football IQ, um, his ability to not get... Not at all. Get overwhelmed by the moment. Um, not care what stadium he's in. I don't think Brady cares that this is at Lambeau. He's been to this game fourteen times. This moment isn't too big for him. He's no one in the history of the NFL has ever played in more championship games than Tom Brady. So, in that respect, no, I don't think Lambeau Field is going to be a factor for him. But for the rest of the team, a hundred percent. This is a. F- a warm weather team. Um, they don't know what it's like and it's going to be what, 20 degrees and snowing. Um, and it's going to, it's play, they're playing it. It's, it'll end up getting dark by the end of the game. So the temperature will likely drop even more. You know, that's, that's not for the faint of heart. Um, And I think there's something to be said for the fact that the Packers play and practice in that all the time. So Bruce Arians can shrug it off as much as he would like. But until you are standing there for three and a half, four hours in 20 degree snowy weather, uh, I don't really want to hear it. I don't want to hear the trash talk about the weather uh, because it is just so different. Um, you know, when you're in it and you're outside and you're running, I mean, has anyone out there ever run in the cold because that hurts your lungs? I don't know about you, but I can't do it. Um, it's painful. So yeah, I think home field advantage is very real because it's Lambeau field one and two because Aaron Rodgers has never had a game, an NFC championship game at Lambeau field. He's been in four before and all of them have been away. Like this is and I've seen it on social media all week from the players. They all are calling this, you know, a hashtag legacy game. Get twelve, a second, a second Super Bowl, a second ring. Like this is that they're out there for for the for it, and they're not going to let anybody come into their home and 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 trample them and go to the Super Bowl over them. Like they are not about to let any team, no matter who it is. But I think especially Tom Brady come in because this is in their words for 12's legacy. Like that's a big big deal and especially after this week losing Ted Thompson. Like there is no way no way that this band of brothers, which is how I like to view them, cuz that's what they are. They're 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 a camaraderie unlike I think other NFL teams have because of the way Ted Thompson creates locker rooms. Um ironically, uh, that's going to play with a lot of heart.
1: Yeah, I'm having a really hard time keeping my shit together right now because you have made me want to like run through the wood paneling in my basement. Um, I just, yeah, I mean, it's hard, like it's hard to kind of remain level headed. And I understand the fear that some Packers fans have about this being a team that you know blew the Packers out in the regular season, but Don Kuhn went on NFL Network and he said, "Throw that game out the window." Aaron Rodgers on the Pat McAfee show said, "Look, obviously the Bucks weren't affected by their thirty-eight and three loss at home to the Saints in Week Nine. They just went out and beat them thirty to twenty in the divisional round." So, you know, I think everything you you always say you've said it on the show, everything resets itself going into the postseason and. This is a Packers team. One of the things we talked about right after that Bucks loss was wanting to see resiliency and wanting to see how this Packers team could respond to a loss like that. And yes, we saw a little bit of that resiliency start the 2020 season because, you know, Mike Patton said, we played our worst game of the season in the 2019 NFC Championship game. And unfortunately, until you get back there and kind of right those wrongs, That's the narrative. We've seen this Packers defense get better at stopping the run. We saw how they opened the season and put up back-to-back 40 burgers against divisional opponents. Then they lost to the Bucs in convincing fashion. I mean, it was a 28-point loss. And we wondered, like, oh, no, I hope this isn't the same old team that kind of rolls over in those adverse moments. And what we've seen from this 2020 team is the exact opposite, that they don't do that. You know, they lost to the Vikings by six points they lost to the Colts in overtime by three points and I think that's what we've needed to see from this Packers team is that ability to not roll over and it just has made me more confident in the ability for this team to kind of start from scratch
0: yeah this team hasn't had to battle adversity all that much this season and that's what you get when you're very good (laughs) the best (laughs) offense in the league Um, but I, I agree with you like you said when they have had those moments Um, the idea of just lay down and keep getting punched in the face kind of ceased after that Bucks game. That was a a little bit of a turning point. Um, and I agree with Aaron Rodgers that it was an anomaly. I don't think, and then if you look back at the reasons why they lost, they're all just very fluky and not. They're not things that the Packers do consistently. You know, Aaron Rodgers doesn't turn over the ball twice in a game, let alone throw pick sixes. I heard a crazy stat that it's like he's only thrown it was like point oh four percent of Aaron Rodgers throws in his career have ever turned into pick sixes. Like he's had three in his career and he's thrown the ball like 6,200 times or it it was something like really wild like that. So you can expect maybe that that's not going to happen again in this moment on this stage. Um, Someone as ultra competitive and turnover averse and accurate as Aaron Rodgers is is not going to do that. Um, And I think Matt LaFleur has shown us Um, over the course of this season that he is able to make adjustments. Devante Adams talked about this in a presser recently, and I thought it was spot on is Matt is very self-reflective and he scouts himself in a way that you'd hope all coaches do. um, But he genuinely makes actual real time adjustments game to game and against opponent to opponent. So I cannot envision that the game plan going into this game is going to be anything like the game plan that they had going into week six and he's going to self scout and see what didn't work and what he can change and tweak as I'm sure he's going to do alongside Aaron Rodgers, as they have been known to do this season. So I fully expect it's just a completely different game from them.
1: Yeah. And I mean, I think, you know, right now in the whole playoff picture with the bills and the chiefs included in there, uh, something's got to give this week. Like there, these are all teams that are on exceptionally hot streaks. You've got the Packers are winning seven straight. The Bucks have won six straight. The bills have won eight straight and the chiefs would have won 12 straight. Luckily if they didn't sit Patrick Mahomes in week 17. So these are all teams that are really hot at the right time. They're the best offenses in the NFL. And you've got Tom Brady, who's playing some of the best football of his career, which is hard to fathom at age 43, coming to Lambeau. Aaron Rodgers is 5-2 and as a starter at home in the playoffs. Tom Brady is 6-4 on the road in the playoffs, with obviously two of those wins coming this season against Washington and the Saints. But if you look at uh, Rodgers and Brady's numbers against each other, kind of in this last six-game stretch, they're really close, and I think that's what makes it so interesting. You know, Pat McAfee joked that, when Tom Brady is lined up at safety against Aaron Rodgers, like the narrative is always that they're playing against each other. We know that's not the case, but they're both such competitive people that care so much about the legacy that they're leaving that I think it's kind of funny to see how paralleled their careers have been kind of through these last six games. You have uh, Aaron Rodgers in his last six game has thrown just shy of 1500 yards. 17 touchdowns and one pick. Then you have Tom Brady who's thrown 1900 yards, 16 touchdowns. And again, only one pick. So both on a really hot streak right now. They're both, Pretty good against the Blitz. Aaron Rodgers' worst game of the season came against the Bucs, and since then, he's only thrown one pick against the Blitz all season. So just some really impressive numbers, and I was kind of surprised. I don't know if you would agree that this is only the second time in Tom Brady's career that he's thrown 40 touchdowns. You know, that somehow doesn't surprise me. He was such a system
0: quarterback. He didn't have to be Superman ever like we – Yeah. You know, and he's not – look, Tom Brady is one of the greatest to ever – play the game that's that's an undeniable fact but the greatest thrower of the football is aaron Rodgers, and so that stat doesn't necessarily surprise me because tom brady has never had to be that guy yeah i just am i just think that this is going to be such a such a iconic matchup that we're going to think about in so many years from now and now obviously that as packers fans you hope it goes you know in your team's favor. Um, but regardless of what happens just as a fan of football, um, the, the first and probably only time that Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady are going to go up against each other in the playoffs is going to be at Lambeau field in a, in an NFC title game. That is just, I, you can't script it any better. They, they gave, I think Aaron Rodgers called it media porn on the Pat <laughs> McAfee show. Cause like, that's really, that's what it is. Um, but regardless of how Brady is playing the season, which ha- you're right has been phenomenal football, uh, you know Aaron Rodgers is MB- MVP this season for a reason.
1: Yeah. And to that point, I also thought this was interesting. Tom Brady has won MVP three times. Aaron Rodgers will likely win his third MVP um, next weekend or the weekend right before Super Bowl Sunday. So, could be a matchup of the two three time MVPs um, on Sunday. There's just so many things to like. And yeah. Jacob Dorf pack had called it kind of the season of exercising demons. And so far it feels like the Packers have really done a lot of that. You know, one of their demons was their inability to stop the run last season. And we've seen this team really shore up the run defense. So if Tom Brady in the NFC championship game is kind of that last thing you check off the box after kind of that blowout, Loss that they had in week six, it just—it's hard to not see this team, like you said, at Lambeau Field, just kind of righting every wrong and getting to where they finally have been destined to go. It feels like. So what? What is like the Achilles heel to you
0: in this game for the Packers? Because for me, for me, it's Tom Brady and just his his football IQ. And and I said this today on the radio, and I I I completely feel confident in this answer, which is nobody else can can check out of a play or make a change at the line of scrimmage like Aaron Rodgers can, except Tom Brady, right? So you're going up against a guy that has that level of experience and understanding the ability to read a defense like him. That to me is, I think, the biggest challenge. Um, and just not getting intimidated by the fact that you're going up against Tom Brady, which I don't think that this defense will, but I'm wondering how How, what you think about that, or if you have another one in mind. I mean, to me, yeah,
1: I think Tom Brady is kind of the key here and it's so hard to get pressure on him because he gets the ball out of his hands so quickly. And, you know, he, he had people unretired to play with him. Like this is such a unique situation because this is a Bucks team that hadn't been to the playoffs in how many years since basically their Super Bowl appearance, Tom Brady comes to town, Rob Gronkowski unretires, Antonio Brown joins the squad. Like everything is kind of aligning for this Bucs team with a lot of this firepower. And I think that that's 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 kind of what makes the Packers so unique and so special is that, you know, you said when we talked earlier, it's this, this homegrown camaraderie and this closeness and just the, the two locker rooms, the dynamic is so different in both of them. But I mean, I guess outside of Tom Brady kind of being the factor, I think it's more, how both defenses play. And that was one of the storylines. Tom Brady barely did anything in week six because the defense was kind of doing everything for them. And we saw that
0: even last week against the saints, like when your defense gets you four turnovers, I mean, yeah, you're going to win that game.
1: And that's that, that I think is the key then is that that turnover ability is, you know, you said pre-show or maybe on the show. I can't remember that turnovers are not necessarily a sustainable commodity for any football team you know we saw the Packers were really unable to get turnovers in the first half of the season and then they started coming in bunches because that's kind of the nature of forcing turnovers in the NFL so it is just I think that's what it's going to come down to and this is a Packers team it's 11-0 and when they don't turn the football over so Going into you know last Saturday against the Rams, it was how is this offense going to handle the number one defense? This is a team that generates a ton of pressure. Aaron Rodgers is going to be rattled, and we didn't see any of that on Saturday. So I'm really curious to see kind of what the Bucks defense does when it comes to town because you and I have talked. They obviously have a lot of speed. I think the middle of the defense is going to be key for both teams, and. Yeah. Yeah, I mean I guess, yeah, let's talk about that. Let's talk about both inside linebacking cores and just kind of if there if because to me, if there's a weakness for this Packers defense, it's the middle.
0: Well, yeah, always. That's always what it's been. But I also think that the Bucks defense also has its own weaknesses that the Packers can very readily exploit. And like I mentioned earlier about Matt LaFleur's game planning, like I hope to not see some of those sort of outside zone pitches to Aaron Jones, jet sweeps, like you're not going to get those by these inside linebackers. You're going to have to run it up the gut, run it between the tackles, push them down the field. You know, I, I think this Bucks defense can probably give up a handful of big plays to the Packers. You know, we went up against the number one defense in the league who hadn't given up a single play over 20 yards in weeks. And the Packers were throwing it down the field like nobody cared. Um, Aaron Rodgers is sitting in the, his own end zone, you know, chucking it to, to Alan Lazard. He hits a 33-yarder to Big Bob uh, off play action. It's it's those kinds of things that I could see also working against the Bucks defense. Now, this Bucks offense, which I know was still the same back in Week 6, you know, they have a pretty high-flying wide receiver core, and the Packers defense is playing better than it was in week six. The second half of the season, they have been way more stout um, and just playing their brand of defense that Pettin wants to see them play. Whether you agree with Pettin's scheme or not, whatever he's been doing and the way he wants to play football has been working. And so you go up against a team that is going to need to throw the ball against our secondary. Uh, I take our secondary over that, to be quite honest with you. Jair Alexander completely shut down Mike Evans in week six, even in that loss. Um, And, so I, I think that we match up quite nicely with their offense. Now, all we need to do is stop Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette. And I think that's something that this team now has shown us in the past couple of weeks that they are able to accomplish. Um, I just hope that our offense, in turn, doesn't try to go up against these inside linebackers because, honestly, they're frightening. Um, and then just the last thing I have in mind is just, is Indama Su going to get in Taron Rodgers' head? <sighs>
1: Yeah, I don't think so. I think it being at Lambeau is kind of a different beast. And I think Nadamakansu obviously is going to try. And we've heard from the Pat McAfee show that there were words exchanged, and the two of them clearly don't get along very well. And that's stemmed from many, many years of intense battles in the NFC North. But, you know, I think that. This is this is Aaron Rodgers' house now. It's not uh, in Tampa, and I think we'll see a different performance too from that offensive line. You know, obviously the Packers' offensive line gave up four sacks. Five, technically, Tim Boyle took a sack, um, but against the Bucs, and you know, Aaron Rodgers only took twenty all season. Aaron Rodgers threw five picks all season. Two of them came against the Bucks. So, I mean, as much as we like, I don't want to sound like a homer to call it an anomaly, but this was the only game that the Packers were held under twenty-two points. And I think, you know, if you look at even the defenses going back to kind of that last six week kind of window, the Packers defense has only given up an average of 17.3 points per game in the last six weeks. The Bucks defense has given up 19.6 points in the last three weeks. So close. But you know, we just saw a Rams defense come to town that only gives up 18 points and the Packers put up 32. So I think you know that's going to be kind of one of the keys to this game is we know it's going to be a high-scoring game, and the Bucs are going to get theirs. They're going to get the yards. They're going to get their scores. It's what they do. Their defense may get a turnover or two, but I think that that's kind of the bounce-back nature of this Packers team is what's going to keep them in this game, and that reality that when you're playing on the literal frozen tundra and you don't have your footing, it's going to favor the Packers.
0: Yeah, and this Packers defense has held – pretty much every opponent to 20 points or less over the last like month and a half. So, and you think about that and you're like the Packers defense has done that, but they really have go back and look at the scores. They really have. So um, again, like you look at the bucks and you think about all the receivers and Gronk and, you know, Antonio Brown, maybe what is he going to do? Even though honestly, he's done nothing this year and I'm unimpressed (laughs) by him, but this Packers defense has, has really done a great job of, like I said, playing their brand of football, maybe allowing you to get the yards, maybe allowing you to convert a couple of third downs, but eventually they're going to make you punt or they're going to force a field goal. And then you have Aaron Rodgers on the other side of the ball, who's going to end up scoring the touchdown. And at the end of the day, all that matters is this Packers defense holding the Bucks to less points than the Packers offense
1: can score. And I think that they can do that. I do too. And I think honestly, like, I think this Packers team is tired and I like, I don't want to call it like a disrespect, but it just feels like, you know, Aaron Rodgers mentioned in his presser last year that people had called them like the most fraudulent 13 and three team. And now this Packers team is doing everything that they can. They finally have the number one seed. It's coming through Lambeau field. And a lot of, a lot of the narrative all week is like, Oh, Tom Brady's the greatest. He won it all in the AFC so many times. And now he's coming to win it all in the NFC. And I think that this is a Packers team. That's just tired of hearing that. Because for every talented player that exists on the the Bucks roster, how many All-Pros did they have, right? How many Pro Bowlers did they have? Like, this is the best Packers team that we've seen collectively in a very long time. And this roster might, pound for pound, be better than the 2010 Packers roster. And it, it's hard to kind of... That is crazy to think about. It is. And I just, I have a really hard time thinking you know that this isn't a Packers team that's hungry and knows like they busted their asses to get the number one seed. And if Tom Brady and the Bucks are the one thing standing between them. And like you said, the legacy of this franchise potentially getting another ring in a year that Ted Thompson has passed away, Kevin green, it is time passed away. Like this is the moment. Yeah, no,
0: I, I agree. There's a lot riding on this and you know i i have this thought and and it's it's been slowly coming to mind and i think today it really culminated it's just something about ted thompson's passing that it just sort of clicked and You know, we as Packers fans all season, you've heard, you know, this team is special. This team is special. And last season, you know, this team is special. There's so much respect on and off the field. And, you know, pre-COVID, they did all these things together. And you can tell that they actually enjoy each other's company. Um, And, you know, we, we saw a draft this year that was unlike... Any other season or any other team, I should say, and they they didn't necessarily do the thing that everybody thought that they were going to do, but they did what they always do, which is trust the board and trust the process and not draft for need and take a quarterback when you don't need one because it's the best time to take one. And all the tropes that you hear the Packers front office have been preaching for years. And again, like that's Ted's brand of managing a franchise that's his legacy is draft and develop. And we talk about it all the time. And you look at all the players that are going to take the field on Sunday that he drafted and, and, and believed in and gave time to Devonte Adams, you know, like there, there's so many of those guys going out there and you know, that this team has been sort of cultivated by Ted and by Goot in part in the last couple of years to, to be what it is now, And there's no team in the NFL that is more in direct contrast with that mindset than the Buccaneers. And, and it's not to say that that doesn't work to go all in and get a guy like Tom Brady in free agency and have him take Gronk out of retirement. Like you mentioned, Antonio Brown and all the other free agents that they've added to this team. That's fine. That's one way to do it. Go all in in the offseason. Give Tom Brady a two year, $60 million contract. See if you can go win a ring. But to me, those franchises make it far, as we see. They're in the NFC Championship game. Those franchises don't win rings. You have to have that power of the locker room to me. I I don't know if that's just a projection of what I want or the fact that I'm very bought into the way that the Packers manage this franchise, but I just, think the comparison between the two creations of the rosters in this matchup is super, super interesting, and I... Homer take sure if you want to call it that. I will take the team that call each other family over a team that are playing for the first time this year together.
1: Yeah. I and I think like if you talking about Ted Thompson and the draft and develop, like we've seen it now already with Brian Gudekoons. And I think Chris Barnes is a really good example of that. Like Brian Gudekunst did what he needed to do and he brought in Christian Kirksey at a perceived position of weakness for this team. And, you know, starting the season who's next to him, but number 51, who I guarantee you half of the Packers fan base was Googling kind of on that opening series uh, when the Vikings were on offense, not knowing who that was. And it's just this really unique way that we've always talked about is building a franchise and building a roster and kind of that sustained level of excellence. Like this is the fourth time that the Packers will be in the NFC championship game in seven years no other team has made it, you know, to, to more than one. This is what the first time they've gone back to back since 96 and 97. Like there's just, there's a lot of history. Yeah. And I think that, you know, outside of the Aaron Rodgers injury and towards the tail end of Mike McCarthy's career, like you could argue that maybe the the depth of talent wasn't what it was when things were kind of transitioning, but this is like, we're watching sustained excellence. And I know that, You know, Aaron Rodgers has talked repeatedly about how he's trying to enjoy it and there's a beauty in the unknown and you don't know what's going to happen next, so you're trying to live in the moment and appreciate it. But I think that's kind of been the message of this entire season is like, look, we didn't know if we were going to have a football season. And now we do, and it's one of the best damn seasons I think we've ever gotten from a Packers team, which makes it special. And just we don't know what the team's going to look like next year with free agency and kind of who's available. And, you know, Mm -hmm. yes, you can draft and kind of fill those holes, but this is a team that's poised for success right now. And Kenny Clark said it like, we got to kick the door in like, this is the time to kick the door in. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Wow. I'm fired up. <laughs> 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 Should we give pregame
1: speeches? I'm fired up.
0: Zoom um, us in,
1: coach LaFleur, zoom us in.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah, let's, let's touch on coach LaFleur for a minute before we wrap up, because it's so easy to overlook what he's done. Cause Aaron Rodgers is playing like an MVP and Devontae Adams is also playing like an MVP. Um, And then you got Jair Alexander on the other side who's shutting down half the field. And you got to give credit to a a guy in a second year, never called plays before, comes into one of the oldest, most historic franchises, just very big shoes to fill, and has done an incredible job uh, over the last two seasons bringing his team... To back back-to-back NFC championships, like you said, hasn't happened since the 90s. McCarthy never even did that. So just credit where credit is due to this guy for leading this team the way he did. And nobody thought that he would, and he has.
1: Yeah, and I mean, even those introductory pressers, there were a lot of people wondering if those moments were going to be too big for him. And, you know, as like a quiet, reserved person it's it's fun to see like the mic'd ups and things on the sideline and last year when they would have the locker room videos like you could see how close-knit the team was and I think a large part of that we've heard from guys repeatedly that it's a player-led team and you know that was evidence again when Mike McC- Mike Patton I almost said Mike McCarthy Mike Patton, you know Zedaria Smith and Stan and Ken Clark are going to his office to say hey, let us do what we do And then the defense transforms. Like, I think even Aaron Rodgers has said, like, I've never been a rah-rah guy. I'm not really the speech type, but this is the year that he's doing that. And I think that it's just a total investment from the team. And they've said repeatedly, you know, this is a unique situation. We're all we got. And that's kind of been the message since training camp is, like, Kenny Clark, I vividly remember him saying before the season started, like, you're only going to get as far as your team can get you staying safe and kind of being for each other. And knock on wood, this has been a Packers team that stayed exceptionally healthy. They've stayed safe. Even when Wisconsin was not necessarily the safest place to be, the Packers team kind of rallied around each other. And I think that that's just whatever happens on Sunday. And we'll, we can do score predictions and then wrap up, but whatever happens on Sunday, like it just feels like everything kind of culminated in like this perfect opportunity and I'm just very grateful to have the opportunity to watch them although I I do obviously they're going to the Super Bowl I'll say it I'll say it on the show they're going to the Super Bowl <laughs> I mean I agree with
0: you okay so obviously we both uh you can't not take the Packers in this game I don't know what kind of fan that you would be if you didn't take the Packers so obviously we both have the Packers winning but what do you think the final score is going to be?
1: Yeah, I said that for Chesa TV. I made my prediction video, and I was like, look, they're, you're never going to get me to bet, bet against the Packers. Last year, honestly, you know what? You maybe could have get, gotten me to bet against the Packers, but this is the. F- I am fully confident that this is the Packers team that's going to do it. So I think it'll be close. I think that we're going to see a lot of scoring, I think that we're going to see the defense hold when they need to. And I, I kind of feel like Aaron Rodgers is going to get the ball back And that's how this game is going to be won. It's an Aaron Rodgers drive with a Mason Crosby field goal in the snow. Something very poetic. So I think it'll be close, like 31-28 is kind of the score I I have in mind.
0: Yeah, I kind of see the Packers putting up points in this one. Um, But I still think it's going to be a lot closer than I would want to have it be while I'm sitting on the couch watching. Um, I'm going 34-28. I like your score better.
1: makes me feel more comfortable.
0: (laughs) Oh, man. All right, so... That's it. Let's see what happens on Sunday. It's the first game, early game. I'll be watching with Aaron Nigler and the Cheesehead TV watch party since Banky will be at the game. Sure. No, could not be more jealous. Um, yeah, I'm excited. Next week, we might have a very special guest on to recap. Uh, it's not set in stone yet, so just stay tuned. It's a little bit of a surprise.
1: Yeah. I was going to say, I'll say they, that way nobody knows who it is. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah. So Perry, if, if the people listening want to follow your work on social media, how can they do that? Oh, you know, <laughs> just
0: follow me on Twitter at Perry underscore Goldstein. Um, obviously with Maggie on at Gay Mom Wisconsin and follow the pack, uh, the podcast at PWSS podcast on Twitter as well. Uh, you can, can find all of our, our updates there. And uh, yeah, we'll we'll be on the Cheesehead TV watch party on Sunday. So Maggie, what about you?
1: You can find me on Twitter at Maggie J Loney. I write two articles a week for Cheesehead TV. Uh, we both are obviously with the Pack Day Podcast crew as well, uh, doing the game on Wisconsin Happy Hour live show on Mondays. Uh, that show will run as long as the Packers are still in contention. So hopefully, we have a couple more happy hours in store and Monday isn't the last one, but uh, just keep that in mind. If you're looking for our live content and otherwise like Perry said, just make sure that you follow the podcast, PWSS podcast um, occasionally do giveaways and things. We just gave out a shirt, so we'll see what comes up down the line, but thank you as always for listening. It's going to be a good one on Sunday. It's going to be another classic and hopefully we are talking about a bowl with her uh, next week. So Thank you for listening. Go Pack Go. Go Pack Go.